You're ready when I am. We're waiting on George again? Getting table. Well, are we, getting are we table. always? Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. With the Bruce, the Yang, and Captain Socks. Future people are here again listening, watching, getting tabled with your host, Captain Socks. Surprise, surprise, I'm here, guys. Hey! Who said you could do yeah, yeah, you uh, said you wouldn't be here. Sorry. Way to disappoint us and show up. Damn, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then we have the Bruce. And nobody cares about me. It's all right. Oh. And yeah, uh, it's nap time. No. Um, there is a third person here, but I don't think he matters, does he, Socks? Nope, not at all. Looks like nah. he's just half asleep as it is. Isn't I it? don't introduce myself because I, I open it, so I don't introduce myself. If people hear my voice, I'm, they're going to assume that I'm here, right? Socks, point point up to the ceiling. And there we have George. That's weird because you're you're right here. Whoa, whoa, back yes, up there. Yes, the, the layout in the video is different. You're right there, Bruce, and then you're there, socks. <laughs> well, I'm here. You're, oh. you're both below me, so I don't know. This will this entire section of the podcast will only make sense to JP because nobody else sees us the way that it's laid out on Discord. Is he here? No, he's not. No, even he's here. not here. But he's seen it enough that he'll know what we're talking about. Uh, um, no, JP is still in the process of moving and unpacking things. Yeah, I thought he moved last year. Yeah, but he's still unpacking stuff. He's going through hobby. He found his Infinity stuff. Oh, and lots of Transformers. But we're here to talk about about um podcast. Newly things. received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. All right, folks. Let's discuss some news type stuff. And I'm going to start off with Wild West Exodus because any chance to talk about Wild West Exodus, I'm all in. Totally not because I'm trying to tempt... I'm not trying to tempt George at all. But George, you know you love the look of this game. I was going to say, I think each time we talk about it, you keep on saying that. Between this and and Bushido, I do it a lot. (laughs) Also, JP, you know you want to get back in. I know you haven't touched the stuff that you brought us several years ago, but you know you want to get back in. Okay, people that have been following Wild West Exodus for a while will know that juiced hex beasts were already a thing, so why are we discussing them? They've come out with a new box for them, and yes, these things look gross. These are um, a mutation of what people become when they've been on the hex for too long, and to say that these are gross is a wild, wild misunderstatement. Misunderstatement? Misunderstanding. Whatever the word is that I'm trying to say. To say these are gross is a, is an under-exaggeration. Yes. So... These things are part of the Hex faction. They are something that you can just take as part of your faction. Uh, But even if you're not taking them, you need to own these and have them with you when you're playing a game if you have any characters that have the tainted special rule. Um, The reason I'm discussing this is when... So George has some guys, and because George sucks, I've killed one of his guys that was tainted. There is now a chance that that character could become a juiced beast uh, or a hex beast. When this happens, he has to roll a die, and if he rolls... I could be wrong on this particular detail, but I think it's if he rolls a one, then I gain control of that monster. It's a really cool rule. It very rarely happens, but it's really cool when it does. 
Um, I must say, I like the fact that, I mean, I know that it's very over-exaggerated and stuff, but I like the fact that there is very clearly different sources for these. I mean, th there's the, the one in the top left-hand corner is very clearly um, of the female persuasion as opposed to the other one that's very generic, monstery looking. Uh, the third thing is... Uh, what's the word for that thing? It's a hexalith. So this is just, oh. it's a box set of, um, it's a box set to help get them together better. Uh, you could, the, the juiced hex beasts didn't really have a box set of their own. You had to buy them separately. So it's kind of just an easier way. But, oh, and for those yeah, that are wondering nice. why we're using the Wayland Games website, that's because these guys actually own Wild West Exodus. It's the owner of War Cradle. Um, anybody that didn't know that, I don't understand how you didn't, but yes, that, that's who owns War Cradle. We've also got a new upcoming fleet for Dystopian Wars, um, which already is probably my favourite of the of the fleets that are coming out so far. I don't really know why. There's just something about this Elector fleet that I love the look of. They're just really cool looking. Yeah, I'm looking at the Shamanberg class option for the cruiser, and there's little steam locomotives in the in the bay in the cargo hold. Yeah. While you're talking about it, I'm going to try and find it. Last row in the middle. Last, Last row. row. Last row of three in the middle. Oh, nice! It is pretty cool. Okay, no, this is really cool. Well, I, I, I was gonna, I was gonna start poo pooing like you know these look kind of generic and there's not really much you know to them, and then I scaled, scrolled down. It's like. Oh, hey, those are steam locomotives. Yeah. Well, if, if you think about it, too, the uh, on the top right-hand corner of the top third row, uh, the Elector-class battleship, those almost, almost look like the big, huge rail guns that the Germans had, big railway guns, just two of them sitting in the, in the little hold there as well. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, yeah. the big artillery cannons? Yeah. Yeah. The one directly uh, below that, socks. the one directly below that, the Heidelberg-class, also has steam locomotives. Yeah. This is how crazy the world of dystopian wars is. Like you have giant because steam tank and steam engines are not small, especially at the time that this is supposed to be based in. I mean, I know that this is like alternate world and stuff, but steam locomotives are huge, and this thing's carrying two of them on the water. I don't know what fact, what, what real difference it makes in game, but I love it. Well, if 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 they have the same, uh, what's the word? You know, where there, there's the sea portion of the game, the land portion of the game, and the air portion of the game. I'm sure there's probably like some sort of like a, a victory condition or something like that. Possible, yeah. But yeah, there's more stuff coming out for Dystopian Wars, which is definitely good to see. There's been a lot of people that's been waiting a long time for this game to come back, so it's good that they are pushing. Um, I don't think that they're pushing too hard. I, I think that's just it's got a nice steady flow at the moment. I'm hoping they kind of stick to the way that they're doing it because you don't want you don't want to flood the market with everything at once, especially when a huge part, portion of the player base already owns stuff. So I, I'm kind of glad that they're kind of sticking with the middle middle of the line. Next one's a little interesting though. This next one is Lost World Exodus, which is, again, it's the same world as Wild West Exodus. I know that really surprises people. It's not like the name gives it away or something. Right. So I kind of said that this is very 80s inspired. And when you start looking down at the models, it should be pretty obvious why I'm saying that. I mean, this is not Thundercats. But it's very clearly inspired by Thundercats. These are all feline type things, except for this guy that looks like Wolverine a little bit. Um, the, this guy bottom, here that kind of looks like middle, Lino. Yeah, bottom middle picture, there's a snarf. There he is. Bottom middle picture, yeah. Oh my god, there is a snarf. Kill it. Kill it with fire. Let's snarf. 
I know. He was the worst part of the show. Fight me. You know it's true. Um, I like the fact that they've made their own sword. Like, there's no visible eye of... Is it Eye of Omens? No. Because it's the Sword, sword of, Omens. of Omens. The jewel had a name that I'm... It was the Eye of Thundera. There we go. That's what it was. Uh, but I like the fact that they haven't just done that. They've very clearly made this their own thing. Um, I like what they're doing here. It, it's it's nice. Panthro... Well, the guy that I'm going to say looks like Panthro because he has the nunchucks. Um, almost reminds me of a bit of um, Beastman from He-Man too. A little bit. Yeah. And the guy I was referring to as looking like Wolverine is in the third row. So second from the bottom, the first picture. Really looks like Wolverine to me. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Weapon X, um, uh, uh, Japanese, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, this particular set is all resin. Um, the previous dystopian was one was a mixture of plastic and resin. Uh, but this particular set is all resin. I don't think that should be very surprising given the way that the sculpts are set out. Um, this is definitely going to work better as a resin cast than it will as a full plastic one. When they're doing plastic stuff, they tend to do it more with your regular troops than the actual characters. And just to make it clear, I'm going to scroll down here a bit. Not that you're too concerned, but each one of these characters are a character. None of these are just random people that, that you just don't care who they are. They are all actually characters. The thing I like about games like this and games like um, Malifaux is they give you a reason to actually paint up everybody to look nice because everybody actually matters. I mean, it doesn't mean that you can't just, you know, paint them and put them on the table, but if you're someone that likes to actually put some detail in, you don't feel like you're wasting your time like you do when you spend a lot of time on random dwarf number 57 or random, yeah, storm, like, random yeah. storm troopers 38. I was going to say B1 battle droids when you have nine of them per squad almost. Yeah. Because... I mean, I know that there are people out there that do spend a lot of time on random stuff, but most of us don't, because it feels like you're wasting your time because nobody's going to look at it anyway. Um, that's not entirely fair. But yeah, that's the new stuff out of War Cradle. Again, the reason I'm showing it on their storefront is just it, they had the better images, and this is actually owned by them. It is still a source. Um, gives you a look at the um, UK prices if you really want to look at them. Um, I would be suggesting to try to find them locally if you can, but if you can't... Yeah. Next up, Warplock Miniatures, which is another one of these sculpting companies that do uh, 3D printing on Patreon for an X amount a month, which I think is $10, $14 per month, unless you were lucky enough to get in on the first thing. Uh, you get a squad of whatever it is that they're doing for that much. This month, it's all undead. And they're doing very charactered undead. I mean, a lot of this is human, but you've got a minotaur here that I really like. Mm -hmm. um, the horses are undead. And I mean, it's all skeleton stuff. You've got this guy riding the char chariot that looks like he doesn't know how to ride a chariot. The chariot itself looks pretty good. Yeah. I, yeah, I agree. That chariot's on the money. I mean, if you, if you had a game where it was gladiator-based and you wanted to build your own undead faction for that, there's no reason why you couldn't use these. They, they all feel like that they would fit in together in however you wanted to use them. Frostgrave comes to mind, um, though I don't know of any chariots in Frostgrave. But yeah, these are just gorgeous. Yeah, they look pretty good. Uh, the the price doesn't seem too bad either for the the membership levels. The only the only downside, and I'm not talking about Warplock specifically, but the only downside of services like this is it will be something different every month. So yeah, yeah. One normally something you're gonna like. Yeah. 
I mean, the Raging Heroes one, for example, which is one I've been subscribed to for a while, has done Angels, it's done Vampires, it's done Underwater, it's done Thieves, which I think is the one that we looked at. Uh, I, they've done so much, but you get a lot in that one for your money as well. Um, you do. I'm not having a go at Warblock, but you do get more in that one than you do on this one, um, just purely based on on like physically what comes in it. Um, this stuff is eventually placed on some of the 3D marketplaces so that you can buy them separately, but they will be more expensive on there than they are as part of the, let's say it's a pre-order. Um, and plus you get a lot more support from the company itself. Uh, that up the very top where it's talking about the early bird, they have a picture of a frog holding a like a stone mallet. I actually yeah. have that mini. I, I purchased that mini from their storefront on my mini factory because uh, I had intentions of using this for Frostgrave which I need to actually get around to painting. Uh, these guys have obviously done goblins and dwarves, and they've done a few things at this point. Um, but I just, I really like these. I thought it was worth covering. I really like what they're doing with them. And I, I love the fact that there is actually characters here that are not human, because it's always human, and it gets so boring. It's, it's humans nice are to get lame. Seen. Well... <sighs> If you're doing undead stuff, <laughs> why is all of your undead always going to be from the human races in a fantasy world? They're not. They should be more mixed than they are. Uh, TT Combat have an army of undead halflings, but it's the only significant other thing I can think of. GW used to have one where it was a squad of an undead lizardman, an undead skaven, an undead dwarf, and something else, but you haven't been able to buy that for like 15 years. I don't know. Um, and yeah, my mini factory is where they sell their old stuff if you wanted to buy their old stuff. But again, you'll be paying more for it on my mini factory than you would have if you had have been doing the Patreon. It's just because otherwise there's no point in supporting their Patreon. The Patreon members have to feel like they're getting something for their money, obviously. Or otherwise, if you know somebody with a 3D printer, ask them to print it for you because not everybody does. But sticking with 3D printing, this next one is kind of more of interest to me because this next one is rats. And and gorgeous too. Oh, yeah, they're pretty cool. This is no, just everything I've I've seen on this page is yeah. just amazing. I really like that the rat wheel. Yeah, the rat wheel is probably the best unique rat wheel I've seen in a while. Um, now this is of a very different feel to the stuff that we have covered previously. Previously, we'd covered conversion pieces to help build out an Age of Sigmar army and not have to buy their horrible resin stuff that's not worth owning. So there was conversion pieces to make your storm vermin into your gun guys and all of these other things. This one is actually unique sculpts to make an actual unique army. Um, from this first image, I mean, obviously you can see the, um, the rat wheel here that we're referring to. There's what I'm going to refer to as a brood mother type thing. I think this giant fat rat on the throne might be one of the, my favorite minis that I've seen in a long time. This is the one that looks like he's just kind of chilling and like, Slumps. yeah. Oh no, no, I, I, no, the, the one giant like one. A, no, the priest one that's just kind of like sitting on the ground. Yeah, because there is like a, a little rat king that's in a throne too. But this guy is actually sitting on something. So there are larger images if you scroll further down. Um, for the video feed people, this is the king one in the throne that we were referring to. The one on the ground is... Oh, that isn't a throne. That is actually part of his outfit. Sorry, I stand corrected. Um, yeah, if you scroll down, it's a bishop stench is what they call him. We've got um, Skaven meet Dark Souls on the next one. 
another look at the rat wheel. I, I kind of think I want one of those rat, rat wheels. It just looks I mean, terrifying. Not... I mean, you see all those little spikes and sword bits and whatnot. And yeah. Just, that coming at you would just make you turn around away. The thing I like about it, I mean, you've got this, which is very clearly lava in the way that they've done it. But there's no reason why that couldn't be gross-looking slime or or warp forge stuff or, or whatever. I mean, you could make it to be crap if you really wanted to. Um, I, I'm not sure that this slave driver guy is the smartest guy in the world, the guy that's kind of hanging onto the side and whipping everybody. I, I think he's not going to be a leader for very long because I suspect Meh. he's going to be dead in the next corner. Meh. Uh, just scrolling further down on this page, um, some of the stuff is just amazing. Yeah. The detail on this is just scary. Like, uh, which, yeah, the, the Death Knight Order. Ooh, the Magma Lords. I'm scrolling down to look see at the Magma Lords. Oh, and here's the other thing. These guys are actually doing a rule set for this so that you could slide them into um, a D&D &D adventure. I love nice. that idea. Aha, I've just reached what you were referring to, where it's showing off some of their previous yeah. stuff. So this is Arc Villain Games. So they are specifically trying to do this in a way that will fit into D&D, because to be fair, that's where most of the money is for this sort of stuff, um, unless you're really good with building custom armies for games. And right. Like I wanted to do with my um, Mars Attack stuff, kind of slide it into 40k and go, hey, this is actually this army. But unless you're really good at that, it makes it very difficult. I I don't know how it's taken me this long to come across these guys, but I'm really glad that I've found them. Yeah, they, they look really good. I, I'm not surprised yeah. that you like the Magnum Lords. Right? Oh, my God, I've missed an Empire of Sands one last year. Oh. Yeah, that one looks pretty cool. Almost very Egyptian. Oh. I don't have enough money to have all of this stuff. Or enough time for that matter. That Dragonosaurus one? Yeah. The one right below the yeah. Empire Sands, that one looks pretty cool too. Yeah. The moon bitten. Yeah. It all just looks good. Yeah. It's cut the thing with these 3D printing companies is that you need to in order to have a following, you need to have a reason for people to back you and not other people. And I don't think any of us are gonna argue that these guys haven't proven why you should be back it. Like these guys are amazing. Like the detail that you're getting out of this. But this is all 3D printed stuff. Um, the only thing I will say as a negative is I don't see any specific thing on here about whether they get sold afterwards. Um, for the people in the video, this is the prices that they ask for. So you've got a $9 a month, which is the early access one. The $10 a month is your regular. So that's the same price that um, Raging Heroes does. Um, and I would argue fairly. Arch Villain is the one that comes with your monthly module. So if you want the adventure to go along with this, uh, then that would be the one. Because obviously that's not how I would use it, but most people probably would be wanting to do this as a D&D thing. Um, now, I need to stop looking at this before I decide that I'm not yeah, back it. We, 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 we need to move on. We're, we're drooling too much. Bruce, got a little... <laughs> Sorry. Right, yeah, right, there you go. Got it. Okay, let's talk about something that's less drool-intensive and more standard. And I don't mean to say that to be nasty, Lewis. Uh, it's just that spray paint is not as exciting as miniatures are. Um, I didn't see this coming. TT Combat have their own line of spray paints. I didn't see it coming either. Um, I mean... 
I assume that this is a rebrand of a product. Um, and I'm not saying that in a negative way. It's just that that's what most of them are. Um, like most of these spray painting companies for miniatures come from two, maybe three places. Um, but the thing I like about what they've done is, I mean, they've given you the usual look of what the color is, but then they've actually given you examples of what they look like not just on miniatures, but the terrain as well. So you've got your usual... I think that's, yeah. I think that's very important for them to do since, you know, yeah, they're a miniature and a terrain company. And why should you buy their primer? Yeah. Well, because it looks like this on the mini and yeah. on the, the terrain. Army Painter don't do this that I've ever seen. I have seen videos of, of showing how it works, but I have never seen them advertise it this way. Um, the only thing I'll say is the white looks very washed out, which is the way that white is. But... The only negative thing I will say, Lewis, is that like you can't see. It's so bright that you can't see this all kick. Um, you can barely see his outline. I'm not sure how you could fix that without washing it, and then that would ruin it anyway. Mm -hmm. But it's just worth it's worth it. Maybe the light's a little bit too bright. Maybe that's the only way around it. But they've done the same thing with their colours too. I mean, you're still seeing all of the detail, and it really gives you an idea of the starting line. This is the first company I know of since Army Painter that's had a depth this long with their first release of spray paints. Um, I am not a fan of using spray paint, personally. I would prefer to airbrush. That's just my personal preference uh, because I have never had anything but problems when it comes to spray paint. Yes, I know how to use it properly, but I would be able to control what's happening personally because you, can, you can't really control spray paint. It just comes. Well, um, and depending on the time of the year, you know, sometimes, you know, spray painting is just not feasible. I mean, yeah, there's the times of the year where, you know, you're literally, you know, your country is melting into the ocean and on fire. Yeah. You can't spray paint. Socks and I are in a part of the country where, you know, a couple of weeks ago, you couldn't even like do anything, you know, outside, let alone yep. spray paint. Yeah. Because it would be ice before I did the model. Yep. Right. But. There is a lot of people that refuse to touch airbrushes too because they are scared of them or they think they're cheating. They're not, but people do think that. Um, and for those people, especially if you're someone that wants these products and have maybe had issues with some of the other brands, Games Workshop have this thing where their paints come out every so often. They will do a release with, hey, the Blood Angels Red is back, and then it's gone in a month or two. Uh, and it's the same with the Dark Angels Green, and it's very frustrating. Um, so yeah, it's good that I there's other the, companies. The only thing they've really been, you know, making sure to keep in stock have been, like, the standard black, white, and the, yeah. the two bases for the contrast now. Pretty much. So, yeah, I, I know that it's only spray, spray paint, but I, I did think it was actually worth covering because spray paint is a huge part of the hobby, and it's a huge part of... I mean, I would argue that there's still a lot more people using spray paint than there is using regular, everyday airbrushes. Oh, um, absolutely. I, as, as much as, uh, you know, we talk about airbrushing and as much as I see of airbrushing... It's still such a small part of because it's you know, different the, the hobby there. market. Yeah. yeah. Um, and as much as I will sit here and I'll go on about how better airbrushing is every day of the week, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that my word is law. Um, there are advantages both ways. You don't have to clean a spray paint. That's true. You just have to be really, really careful with it. 
Uh, there's you also don't have to some... worry about yeah. you don't have to worry about shooting a bugger through your 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 spray can either. True, though I don't know if I've ever put a bugger through my airbrush. It's it's what I call the sticky glob of paint that comes out. <laughs> uh, we've bugger. also got some terrain, which is genuinely more interesting than spray paint. Uh, but if you it's want great. something to spray paint, then this would be what you're looking at. There's this well, nice uh, steampunky looking mill here. They're calling the, it the one thing wheel. I will say too. Uh, yeah, that's a water wheel. Uh, further on down is the windmill. The yeah. other thing too, real quick about their their primers, they they do claim you know it's for MDF and having not actually painted any MDF yet because it's still in the box right there. Um, I do know that I you know it's going to soak up paint a lot faster because it's a porous substance. So yeah, um, using airbrushes on MDF is legitimately difficult. Um, it's very yeah. troublesome. Um, but these kits are gorgeous. All of it's steampunky in this particular setting. I'm calling it steampunky. It's all cogs and stuff. And if that doesn't yeah, scream steampunk, no, it's I don't know it's what steampunk, that Bruce. That's that the correct um, terminology to use. Um, but oh wow, that windmill is only twenty four bucks. Lewis, how are you making a profit on this? How is this only twenty four dollars? Sorry, sorry, twenty four euros. But still, how are you making a profit on that? That's actually hey, it's got a chaos star on it. This is an evil windmill. Oh yeah, because there's bat signs and stuff. I didn't even notice all of the evil stuff on this. So you could probably customize this. Evil to windmill. Well, it's got like bat wings and it's got like yeah. an evil. So this is actually something that you could customize too. Because all you'd have to do is leave those bits off to make it look like that a water wheel kit's uh, 20 pounds, Bruce. Here's something new I just noticed. They have a rotating 3D image of the terrain. Okay. Click click on like the windmill or the water wheel, and then it'll take you to the page. And then one of the images is a spinning 3D. 3D rendering. Oh, that is pretty cool. L look at look at them getting all fancy and stuff. Now, I think that's great. Oh, I yeah. think that's great because. It gives you an idea, like, you know, the scope and, you know, like, the terrain itself, instead of, like, looking at a bunch of static, you know, 2D photos of this new terrain piece. Now it's like, there's a, uh, that water wheel one, right above the water wheel, there's a, a ladder that goes up, and then a walkway that goes over the water wheel. And it gives you a better idea of how it goes together as well. Yeah. Or how you can set it up, because it's kind of modular, too. True. Actually, that's not a bad point. Because if you notice... Each of the little platforms has kind of an angled section where you can put the little bridge sections so you could line it up a little bit differently in how you want your terrain set up. Or yep. if you or you have it one way one day and another way a different day based on your table terrain that you have corresponding with it. Yeah. Lewis, you need to stop showing off with your website. It's not fair. Yeah, the, this is this is amazing. That that three D spinning model that's that's really cool. And I suspect that this is literally the raw data from their um, design studio. I could be wrong, but well, I suspect sure. that's what we're looking at. Oh, well, I'm sure. Yeah. I like that. Marvel Crisis Protocol. Yes. So, as I'm scrolling down, the first thought most people are going to have is, yes, we've seen all of these press. We've seen all of these press. And then we eventually get to the point of... So, we've seen Punisher... We've seen the um, She-Hulk. We've seen the X-Men. And then we come across Deadpool, who we've seen. And then it's, oh, wait, hang on. Now, I don't remember looking at Domino, but we might have. But we definitely have not seen Luke Cage, Iron Fist, Sin. And so Sin and Vector, so Viper, are characters that got hinted in blurry images about a month or so ago. And we did discuss what it looked like they were going to be. They were kind of like, um, they were advertised as like black outlines of this is coming soon, but we're not going to tell you what they are yet. So we now 100% know what they are. 
which is Sin and Viper. They are both characters that have lived on the Hydra side of things. Luke Cage, I love. That, that is a really gorgeous-looking miniature. I'm not sure I'm really in love with Iron Fist, personally. It just kind of looks a little weird where he's sitting well, and punching at the same time. But it, Iron Fist is one of those characters. So it, It's Iron Fisty in the fact that it looks like Iron Fist from the comic books, not the Netflix Marvel series, which I am more happy with this. Yes. Well, to be fair, the Iron Fist from the Netflix Marvel series wasn't very popular either, uh, especially no. with Marvel. Marvel were, well, from what I understand, Marvel... Marvel were very unhappy with that particular series. Yeah. The fact that rumors still are continuing to come out of um, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and Luke Cage being slitted into the Marvel Cinematic Universe and nobody's talking about Iron Fist probably tells you a bit. No Punisher? Um, Bert Punisher is good. <laughs> I could be wrong, but I think we may have actually had confirmation on Punisher. Yeah. I could be wrong, but I think there's actually been confirmation of Punisher being... Of Punisher going in. Um, Anyways, um, again, beautiful, beautiful minis uh, yeah. on this. It's 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 yeah. one of those things where it's like I want this, but I'm not gonna get it because it's it's just it's more. <laughs> yeah. Uh, personally, I'm scrolling back up and I'm going back to the last thing that I purchased. It was actually quite a while ago um, because I'm just so far out of date now. Uh, I haven't brought anything since Star Lord. That's how long it's been since I brought anything from the Marvel Crisis Protocol game because um, I just I, I ran out of time and I had to pick and choose. So right. I'm definitely going to be buying She-Hulk at some point because I really want to paint that. Uh, but otherwise, at this particular point, I'm probably good. Um, now, I will say this, looking through these real quick. Mm -hmm. One, I think that Doctor Strange one looks amazing. Agreed. And then two, I like how they went more cinematic universe Hawkeye than purple, you know, horned mask helmet thing Hawkeye from the comic yeah, books. Yeah, I'll agree with you on that too. I, I always thought that that look, like, why? Why would he dress like that? Yeah. No. Well, he dressed like that because it was a comic book written in the 70s. Right. Um, I just saw the Ghost Rider. Holy cow. Yeah, Ghost Rider looks really nice. Um, the chain is going to be something that you'll need to protect, but gorgeous mini. My favorite thing I've been seeing lately is people converting Iceman and Wasp to make it look like they're jumping off dice. The smaller versions, because you've got the normal what? size and the small size, people converting it so that he's not jumping off rocks, they're jumping off dice. I just love everything about that. Nice. Um, I've also seen recently somebody painting up Taskmaster, uh, so Taskmaster to totally not be Skeletor. That, was, that, that really made me laugh. <laughs> I, I love that. I've also seen somebody recently doing that with Necrons, which is like, oh, that's really tempting. But no, I don't need Necrons. All right. Yeah. Uh, it is one of those properties where it really does encourage you to do your own thing, and that's what I kind of like about it. Um, moving on, we've got a really nice looking battle mat coming from P Work War Games, which is a company Captain that sucks. we've touched on before. But Cap yep. sucks. It's you've most recently been there. How 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 is that for an accurate representation of desert? Oh, thanks, George. I appreciate it. No, it looks great. It looks just like the Saudi Arabian desert. Absolutely. Maybe you need to go back and get us photos so that we can do a proper, accurate representation of it. Yeah, can you have that ready for our next podcast there, Sox? No, I'm not going back. Sorry. <laughs> um, no, but this would be great for, like, a Tatooine for Legion or... Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the image on the the right where it's got some of the the other terrain and the couple of minis on it. Yep, and I swear, looking at that, that looks like it's three dimensional in texture. Yeah, 
It, it really does. And that's what I like about these things. That is so good. I mean, hypothetically, you could easily do this with real sand. You're never going to want to, but you could. Yeah, it's called you pour <laughs> sand on a board. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Pretty much. There are some gaming companies that will do that for their product shots, which would make sense, but you'd never want to do it in real world like that. Um, on Tabletop or Beast of War, do that with some of their war gaming sometimes where they'll actually have sand to break things up so that to mix the terrain in with stuff. So that it looks like the sand is brushed up over the terrain, which is just, just to make it look good on camera. But you'd never want to do that in real life because it's just, you'd have to clean it then. Just found one that's pretty cool here. Hang on one second, I'll put it in the chat. What's the name of it? You want it on Facebook? Uh, just so I clicked on what did I do? I I want to say I just clicked. So I just scrolled down and I saw some of their other terrain mats, and I clicked yep. on the, the beach one, the Overlord one. Yep, the Overlord one, and then I scrolled down even more, yeah. and I found the Rebel Sector, which is like a space nebula with the planet. I actually own some of the, some of this stuff. Um, that, that land of Mars one could almost be used for Genosin too. I'm just thinking for like Star Wars Legion, but. Look, it's Hoth. Yeah. They should call it Kolf. Hmm. Uh, I have... Now, let me see if I can figure out which one I have. Bruce, I hate you now. What, because I have one of these? No. Which should be? Ah. Um, <laughs> Postage-wise on these guys is actually much better than some of the other companies that I would choose not to name right now, given the context of what I'm saying. I have the Industrial Ruins one, which, if you're looking in sci-fi, is kind of like a battle-worn area with kind of... It's got, like, your hazard stripes and that on it. I own that one at a kill team size. Uh, I also own a a 3 by 3 which is... Which one is it? Is it Badlands? No, it's Dust Town, uh, which just looks like it could kind of fit anything. Um, I deliberately tried to pick one that could be kind of anything. And it's kind of like... It kind of feels like Gears of War because it's like it's all browns and greys and then every so often there's this little hint of green that's trying to fight through. Um... They are gorgeous. The, the only thing I will say is that if you're buying them, I would buy the neoprene one, which is more expensive, but it's expensive for a reason. Personally, I'm not a fan of the PVC vinyl stuff. I have used it. Uh, speaking of PV, is it PVC that was? The, no, my old one was um, canvas, um, which I'd got at House of War originally. I actually gave that away to somebody because I was never going to use it again. Um, but if you're looking for, like, I'm, I'm happy to actually cover these guys in more detail at another stage. But if you're looking for mats, I would highly recommend these guys. Uh, the quality of the printing is really, really good. And personally, I found the postage much more reasonable than other companies, personally. That's not necessarily going to be the same for everywhere in the world. Yeah. Shall we talk about the big company? Uh, th this is this is actually a really cool story and shows how much our nerdy culture is invading the world. Yep. So somebody recently discovered um, Horus, not Horus, Abaddon. 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 Yeah. Uh, no, not really. Uh, there's been a spider because Australia is known for no only one thing, and it's creepy stuff. Um, Somebody's named a new spider after the Warmaster. Abandoned it a spoiler. So this arachnid, it's not a spider, but it is an arachnid, is now called Abaddon Despolator. Uh, it's only found in a very small part of Western Australia. Apparently it does not spin um, silk, uh, and there's something else that it doesn't do. Um, apparently they're completely harmless too. Oh, that's disappointing to be named after 
Abaddon and be harmless? Well, the first thing I think when I'm looking at it is it doesn't look harmless, which is obviously kind of the point. Yeah, it's covered in spines and spikes and stuff. Yeah, yeah. but it doesn't have any fangs or venom. Um, so it's just yeah, it, it is an arachnid, but it's it's not a spider. It's just I mean, it's an offshoot. Since it's harmless, the guy should have like you know done his research a little more and called it the Bruce's dice. Yeah, possibly. I'm not that important though. Nobody's going to name anything after me. Yeah, but we we need to get the world knowing about your dice. Did you, but speaking of dice, did you guys watch my unboxing where I actually rolled decently? No. You'll have to watch that later. I actually rolled. There's video proof. Yes, there's video proof. I rolled on camera and then got really surprised because I wasn't. I only rolled one one. Wow. Everything else was actually fairly decent. Wow. You found your new set of dice. That's literally what I said. <laughs> um, for those watching the video, I might insert the clip here that they haven't seen. We also have a new book coming from Blood Bowl, and before I get excited, no, there's still no Chaos Dwarves. Um, this one, from what they're talking about, so this is called Death Zone. Um, apparently it's the ultimate Blood Bowl companion, uh, but this one's filled with mercenaries and stuff by the sound of it. That's the oh. only thing they're talking about. So mercenaries are not quite star players, but they're still freelance players that you can pick up. So they're using a, a, an example here of a bona fide big guy who has, um, so he's four, five, four plus edge. Uh, I forget what PA stands for. Uh, I was just playing today and we never, uh, I don't know. Okay, anyway, where's it doesn't my, matter. Um, where's my spreadsheet? He's got big heart, he's got big head, loner, which doesn't surprise me. Mighty blow plus one, and he can throw teammates, which I kind of like. Uh, I suspect, and this is a pure guess on my part, that the bona fide big guy is going to be like an orc or something. There's no actual pictures to tell us what he looks like. Um, but yeah, there's another book coming out. Certainly something that's going to get certain people excited. Uh, I'm not one of those people because I just, I'm not playing the game. Um, the, the fact that this is a book that, as far as I can tell, is not introducing any new teams disappoints me because there are several teams that are still outstanding. Chaos not Wolf. and not. Well, yes, but I'm not just talking about Chaos Dwarfs. There are others as well. Um, and look, I'm kind of half waiting for them to start introducing Age of Sigma stuff. I know that this is supposed to still be Old World, but there's nothing that says that they couldn't just go, yeah, we know that, but hey, here's this thing from this other world that just happens to look very similar. Do you like some uh, Fire Slayer? Yeah, do a Fire Slayer team. Um, do a Ghost team. Um, Eternals. Yeah. And before we get on to our last discussion point, there was a preview today, technically, which for people in the video, it's literally called Sunday Preview, Shadows and Rust. So what are they previewing? They're previewing the fact that they're going to do a preview later this week. Literally, Whoa. this is... <laughs> I've got nothing but salt for this. So You know what it looks like? A corn demon. Yeah, but you know the best part is that they've already teased this. We've already discussed this model. Their last preview had a snippet of pictures of the very first demon, which we discussed. I think it was last episode. It might have been episode before. So they're doing this teaser for something that was already teased for something they're doing tomorrow. Jeez. Oh, Where you go? Who on earth do you think is going to be excited for reading this? There's also more information coming out for um, Cursed City. Fair enough. Any more you can talk about Cursed City is only going to excite people. But why are you teasing? So the previous picture that you've shown us shows more than this. There was only one section of the mini that wasn't shown. 
This just makes them look stupid. Their marketing team is better than this normally. Anyway, I'll turn the salt off. Um, we've also got Warzone Caradon still coming. Uh, this is also something that we already knew about. I'm guessing that this means it's about to come out. So maybe we'll find out what it actually is. It appears to be a um, uh, a campaign type thing by the sound of it. Because they're talking about different ways of building your armies and stuff. It's a campaign expansion. Yeah, so it's a campaign expansion. Um, so this will either be really popular or it won't be. Like every time they do a campaign thing. Um it tends to be very popular in certain groups and completely ignored by others. Uh, that's not a negative thing. It's just not everybody's into campaign stuff. So it looks like the the Monday, what did they call it? New Model Monday is coming back full time. So we'll get to um, see new models all the time. Last week we had the Rat Prince, which is a guy that looks like he's wearing the woman's coat from Ghostbusters 2, where her coat gets thrown off and then runs away by itself. And yeah. But we've got one last news story. There's been a couple of times where we've discussed price gouging. This is not everybody's cup of tea. Some people hate this story being brought up because they feel that it's unfair. Um, we have discussed it in detail and given evidence of our own. What we are about to discuss is a research topic done by Simon Roberts. Um, he is on Facebook. Personally, I came across this gentleman on the Evia Metal Facebook group. I'm sure he's a member of others. It's just that's where I came across him. I just want to acknowledge that I have spoken to Simon and I have been given permission to discuss what he's what he researched. Um, so I'm going to start and by he's, skipping. And he's done a lot of research. Oh, yeah. So complete context. Simon is from the UK. Why am I mentioning this? It means that he doesn't have a personal bias. Because it comes from an area that, as you will see, is completely neutral and is not actually part of the argument. He, I'm going to literally read his post word for word um, to give you context as to why he decided to do this. After years of seeing posts saying, G-Dub is so much more expensive in my country, I thought I'd take the time this morning to see how true it all is. So, taking the new Sigvold model, so he's just picked a random model from the GW website, I compared their pricing from around the world and then ranked the countries in order of most cheapest, sorry, cheapest to most expensive uh, on the exchange rate of that morning. Now, there's two images that we're going to look at because there's actually a second post that is done since then. Uh, both of these are based on the exchange rate of the time that he was doing it and he has credited them. So, he was using... A website that I'm not going to try and... It's like OEC Better Life Index. It's, it's just one of the exchange rate things to calculate it. So, yeah, the reason he's done this is purely because he wants to know if it's an exaggeration or not. Completely fair. So I'm going to start with the first image. So this particular model is £37.50. pence. The first thing that surprises me, there's actually countries that sell this cheaper than the UK. I was never expecting that. Well, based on the exchange rate, too, at that time. Yeah. So the euro, on average, tends to be 2% cheaper. I'm, I mean, that's neither here nor there. Canadian dollars is actually slightly cheaper. That surprises me. Canada's normally more expensive than everybody. Um, Sweden is 10% cheaper. That's 
surprising. Uh, Poland is 17%. Norway was 19% cheaper, but that's significant. Uh, on the other side of things, uh, the Danish krona is 2% more expensive, so it, neither here nor there. The Australian dollar is 33% on this particular model. That's roughly in line with what we've what we've said in the past. Yeah. Uh, it does depend on the model because um, there are more that are significantly more than that. But I'm not arguing. I'm I'm 100% agreeing with this guy just for the record because I realised that last comment might have might have made it sound otherwise. Uh, and then he's confirmed a couple of things that we have spoken about in the past. A, the Japanese are getting ripped off more than Australia is. We had confirmed that last time. Uh, and New Zealand are getting the biggest raw end of the deal out of everybody, which is something that we had discovered um, last time we were looking into this topic. So Australia is at 33%, Japan is at 37%, and the New Zealand dollar is at 45%. Now, in the next image, you're going to notice that some of these percentages will change because, again, he's based this on the exchange rates at the time that he was doing them but the next one he did was look at average per income household so the other huge argument that gets brought up with this all the time is that yes but australians get paid more than everybody else does and boy do i have bad news for you george because this makes the australian this makes the, usually that argument comes from us based people not always it is the uk as well but your 1% are making you look really bad here. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, mate, because... Okay, so I'm going to talk specifically about Australia for a minute. So Australia's average disposable income is 32759 uh, That would be a yearly figure. The per month figure is 2730 So price income versus the US dollar is 2.01%. The United States have an average disposable income of 45000 284 that's $3,774 a month disposable like I said this is making the, the 1% is making America look really bad here um, I'm not going to try and pretend that that's not what it is. It's fairly obvious that that's what it is. Um, well, th th there's a little bit on both sides too. There's the the minimum wage jobs too that yeah are pulling. It should be down. balancing it out, but I don't think it is. I, I I know what my industry does on average, and and this is still below what my industry is. Yeah. Um. So your your income versus US is 1.46. So what we can see from here is that A, Australia's, although their minimum wage is higher than a lot of other places, they're nowhere near as high on average as even we thought they were. Because this is something that we've acknowledged in the past, that yes, Australia gets paid more minimum wage and stuff than the rest of the world. But that's, I, I've only picked on the US because it's actually the highest out of all of them. Um, the Japanese are less than us. New Zealand is even less again, which, like, if you want to talk about being Zealand's... royally screwed, New Zealand is even more royally screwed than we thought they were. Um, They're the lowest on the list, period, and yeah. they have the highest markup. Yep. Um, the UK are higher than we are, not by a huge deal, but they are higher than we are. Sweden being higher doesn't necessarily surprise me. Um, Sweden is fairly well known for being a well-off country. Um, I didn't really have a huge... Well, no, but they, they are... <laughs> They are fairly well known for being very well off economically as a country. Yeah, it's all the IKEA. Yeah. I don't really have much experience with the Poland or the Norwegian. So I know that there's bits in Norway that are really good and bits in Norway that are not. So, But 
Firstly, I, I want to point out that Simon has spent a lot more time on this than most people would. Even the Australians, myself being one of them, and myself being one of the people that 100% does argue this frequently. I have had people abuse me over the fact that I've barely mentioned the subject. And I do mean abused. Um, one of which was somebody that listens to the podcast. I'm not going to name who it was. Um, but what impresses me the most here is that someone that's completely out of the argument has gone out of his way to see if it's right or not. And has pretty much, I mean, he's, he has proven a lot of what we've said in the past, which is that Australia is not the worst off. Uh, but also that their argument's not wrong either. It is more yeah. expensive. Uh, the only thing that I would say is, um, and I'm not saying this because I want to make his job harder because he didn't need to do this to, to begin with. I actually like the fact that he just picked a random mini um, because it, it, it's good that he's picked something and it's, it is better than he picked something new because the new stuff does get uh, a lot more attention on the price front than everything else does. Um, personally, I'd be interested to see what would happen when you started comparing several things. Um, I'm not asking him to do that. But for those that have, and this has been heavily discussed in the heavy, heavier metal group, for those that are interested, I would be suggesting that you might want to look at some other stuff as well. Some of the bigger stuff. I like can't... The, the single model unit kind of things like a, a, a reboot and stuff like that? More so, I, I'll give you one specific example. Um, the Gargant, the giant, the giant giant. Oh, the um, giant giant. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that, that discussion. Yeah, that was absurd. That was... I'm going from memory here, and I'm not going to look it up. So if this is slightly off, I apologize. Uh, I'm not trying to um, make it look worse or any well. But from memory, it was something like 140 or 150 dollars more expensive here than it was in comparison to the UK. Uh, and again, New Zealand was even worse. Um, so it was already double here than what it was everywhere else. Um, no, it was 120 because it was literally double. Um, and New Zealand was even worse because they were like 140 or something ridiculous. Yeah, it's, yeah, the, yeah. I, I just pulled them up. They're uh, 195 US. Yeah. So there are actually worse examples of this. Like I said, I like the fact that he's picked something at random because that's the best way of being fair. Because if I had have done it and I had have decided that I wanted, if I was going to do it, I would have probably picked something big where the difference is bigger, and then that would have that. That's not even really fair. Um, but we have our evidence. I mean, look, yes, obviously. The squeaky wheel gets the oil. If you're not going to talk about it, then nothing will ever change. But at the same time, maybe it's kind of time to stop hounding everybody with it as well. Because at the end of the day, it's not George's fault that I have to pay more minis than he does. Um, it's not Captain Sox's fault that we get ripped off by Games Workshop. Nope, not mine. Why, why didn't you fix it, Captain Sox? I'm very disappointed in you. Um, I mean, it is a point of discussion that I think we should all be talking about more. But let's not... Let's not mix up who it is that's at fault here. Just because someone else doesn't necessarily agree with your point of view um, doesn't mean that they're the enemy. Educate, don't attack, is what I think I'm trying to say. Um, Simon, thank you for a responding to me randomly when I sent you the message. And thank you for allowing me to actually discuss this because, uh, as I've kind of hinted at a couple of times, this is 
a subject that we had actually looked into a couple of times off our, off our own backs, but had reason to, whereas you didn't have reason to. Um, you, you did it out of your own personal curiosity uh, and then decided to share that information. And most people that go into this sort of thing only go into it trying to prove a point that they have. Um, I like the fact that you've done this without actually having a ship in the race. Like you don't, you don't have a car in the race. You, you're just doing this because you were curious. Uh, whether that curious came, curiosity came from wanting to prove people wrong or people right or completely irrelevant is completely irrelevant. I like the fact that you've done this without having a reason to. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking, unless you two object, that I might skip aiming for the ending this week because our news has gone on for a while. Yep. We got some battleships or dreadnoughts to talk over. We do, yeah. So I'm going to bring that up while I bring up the Drop Fleet website. So we're going to talk about some dreadnoughts today. Why did I pick the Dreadnoughts? I picked the Dreadnoughts specifically because I want to talk about the uh, Battle Cruisers last. I'll explain at the end of this coming segment why I want to leave those last. Uh, though I suspect that you two will have a pretty good idea as to why. Uh, it's not. Why is it not playing? Oh, there we go. Talk nerdy to me. Oh, I've just realised we skipped hobby too. Meh, there's not a lot of hobby either. That's all right. Nope. <laughs> all right, so... Uh... Do it the same as before. Do you want to you want to start with UCM and then I'll go into Scourge? Sure. Colonel Footwear. Pull them up. Yeah, thanks. So you've got uh, two variants uh, for the UCM. You've got your UCM, uh, the London class, uh, Dreadnought, which is your heavy battery uh, type. It's got a scan of 14, a signature of 16, a thrust of 6 inches, and a hull of 26 with an armor of 2+, plus, 18-point defense, a grouping of 1, a tonnage of S2, and then it's a Dreadnought as well as Aegis 8. Uh, and this is the... I think he froze. Yeah. <laughs> All right. While Captain Sox is frozen, I'm just going to give it a couple of seconds, just in case. No. And then okay. And we got two slots of... 64. Oh, that, there we go. You're back. Nice drivers with <laughs> Um, Did you hear us at all? Can you disconnect and then reconnect? No. Yes, I we'll, we'll have to edit this. My back. Okay. We're going to edit this, but Captain Socks, would you like to cover the UCM and then I'll go into the scourge later? Yes, I can. Uh, you'll need to turn your video back on. Thank you. Uh, you, you were cutting in and out. You were barely audible. My uh, Something's going on with the internet out here. So, But uh, going back to the UCM, uh, you get the London class. Uh, Dreadnought, 470 points, uh, scan of 14, 16-inch signature, 6-inch uh, thrust, a uh, hole of 26 points, with an armor 2+, plus, 18-point defense, and a grouping of 1 with an S2 tonnage rating, and Dreadnought and AGS-8. Um, it's got 1, 2, 3 different types of mass drivers and different sizes. The 9000 class has lock 2, attack 2, damage 1. Uh, front side right and front side left for those two. Those are the shoulder-mounted mass drivers with a fuselade two on those. The 6400 and the 4200 are kind of in line. Um, front side and front side right and left again. Uh, the 6400 has three or three lock attack and one damage. Where your 4200s have the inline one that's down the center is four lock, four plus lock with 12 dice and one damage. And then the 4200 on, on those turrets on the sides is uh, four attack, dice, four lock. And then they, with your Leviathan missile base, you get a lock of three plus, 2d6 plus four, and it's close action, and then all around as well. So this is a beast, especially when you go weapons free. 
you're rolling close to 30, 40 dice, uh, whipping three. Won't do Bruce any good, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, I'll hit something. I'll probably only once or twice, but I'll hit something. At least I won't miss everything. That's about it. You'll hit one one thing. Yeah. So, your London, like I said, London was 470 points, which is not a bad take, especially for a heavy uh, dreadnought. And then you got your Washington class, which is your super carrier at 450 points. The uh, main stats are the same in terms of scan, signature, and all that. Uh, the only difference is instead of your 6,400 uh, mass drivers, you now have uh, all your launch bays, which has a launch of 15. Uh, and so you're trading out your 6,400 for all your fighter bays. So uh, 15 fighters or bombers coming at you, that's quite a lot of bombers and fighters coming in. Oh, yeah. So a lot of protection. Uh, this one does not have Aegis, uh, so it swaps out Aegis for, as well for the launch. Um, so, but uh, yeah, th- th- this one's a tough call for me between the two because the other one is just like you roll all of the dice versus this one, dude. A launch of fifteen—that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's massive. Yeah, that is just absolutely ridiculous. Especially when the UK take... have some pretty good bombers on their own, right? Yeah, and and, and not too bad of fighters too. I mean, you could launch. 10 fighters and or 10 bombers and, and have them have some fighters for protection or whatnot. So yeah, it's a, it's a tough choice. I'm with you there on, on that one, George. On yeah. I, I would argue that it come, it's going to come down more to what your overall strategy with the fleet is. This is not something that I'd be picking first. I would be making this decision at the end when you know what else you've got. Cause if everything else is going to have guns on it, then this, if you had this with your launch, then it becomes a distraction, which will distract them from the rest of the fleet. Uh, and you can use your bombers to help protect it and take out anything that gets too close. Yeah. Or you can go the other way. And this is, it's going to be a distraction either way, but this is, it becomes kill or be killed. The downside of both of them is that when it goes, that's a huge part of your fleet gone too. Yeah. I look at it the other way too, Bruce. If you go with the the London, yep. you know you have all the guns. Then you can do all the other, you know, little carriers and other battle groups. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, right. that's what I was leaning towards. Yeah, or you know, like I'm going to do the Washington. I have yeah. okay. I've used all of my launch. Everything else is going to have all the guns. Yeah. Now, because this is coming up on the screen, I'm going to just mention this very quickly. You cannot take a flag battle group, so you cannot have these if your fleet is below 1,000 points. Yep. Your fleet yeah. must be 1,000 points or above to be allowed to take super heavies. Um, why? Well, that's something to help keep the game balanced, obviously. I mean, sh- sh- show up with a Dreadnought in a 999 game. The you know the Dreadnought's probably going to win. I don't, I more don't think your opponent will walk off and refuse to play with you. Well, I, I don't think... A thousand points of any other faction could take out a dreadnought, whereas at least once a turn, that dreadnought could erase one, two ships easy. Yeah. Yeah. Now, oh no, that's not the dreadnought. That is the battleship, which we will also have to talk about in another episode. Uh, so the scourge have the Nosferatu and the Cthulhu. I'm going to start with the Nosferatu, which is 460 points. They both look gorgeous. Uh, As someone that's built one of these, my recommendation will be to pin the tentacles because I have now lost track of how many times that I've had to re-glue my tentacles. There's my surprise face. Yeah, but this is from Display. I've never played with my model. It's only ever been displayed. And they just fall off? Pretty much. Uh, There's just... 
it's too big. And it, the problem is, is that if they're this long and it's only being held on by this tiny little bit of glue, yeah, that's it, it's going to give way. Yeah. Um, the, the rest of the tentacle has a mechanical advantage over the, the glue point, so yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so the Nosferatu. We've got a scan of 14, a signature of 18. It's got 8 inches of thrust. It's got 26 hull. The armor is 3+. plus. It's got 20 point defense. Uh, I've just blanked on what the G is. Um, grouping. grouping. Grouping, thank you. You can only have one. Well, yeah, of course you can only have one. Shocking. Um, it, it's a super heavy chip, obviously. Now, it's a dreadnought. It has full cloak, launch, and stealth. So this is the equivalent of your Washington. You have an Oculus Beam Super Phalanx, which has a lock of 3+, 8 attacks, and 2 damage each, only available on the front arc. It has Scold. Everything has the Scold, so I'm just going to skip that from here. You've got Oculus Beams on your starboard. You have two of them that are linked, so I'm just going to go off each one. Uh, the first one is 3+, plus. it's got 2 attacks, 2 damage, front, side and rear. The other one also is 3+, plus. so they're both the same, but they are linked. You also have the other, th the same, but on the other side. So your left and your right are both linked together. And finally, you have the Plasma Flood, which is your close action. Uh, this is also a 3+. plus. The attacks is 2d6 plus 3. So this is where it falls down a little bit. That's also front, side, and rear because it's a close action weapon. This one only has a launch of 5, though. So it's actually... It's kind of a little bit more in the middle. It's not as overpowering on the launch side. But I do think that some of those guns will make up for it. No, the, the, the one thing I have to say, with especially with the Scourge Dreadnought, and this has been like you know a week weak point for the scourge is the scan has always been so small yeah that's because that getting the scourge is designed range. well yeah you have to be in close for it to be worth using um, and then you have this guy that's got a scan of 14 that's a huge close action range and that that close action weapon is pretty disgusting i mean you're gonna have an average of 10 dice hitting on threes minus one to the armor yep and the way that Scald... Oh, sorry. I just realized it's full cloak and stealth as well. Yeah. So that, that adds to it. Um, Scald... So if George's ship is within my Scald, is within my scanning range, then his armor drops by one. So instead of having a three-plus armor, it becomes a four-plus armor. So everything about both of these ships is you want to be close because that's the way that it works. Um, but yeah, 14-inch scan is quite nasty. Um... In comparison, oh, I need to stop pressing back. In comparison, the Cthulhu is 470. Uh, everything is very similar. So 14 inch, 18 inch, 8 inch thrust, 26 hull. Yeah, so that's all the same. Uh, the special rules are the same, but the weapons is where things change. You've got the Furnace Triad, which is a lock of 4 plus, 12 dice, 1 damage each. So this is a burn through. This is one of the burn throughs that we, that we forgot existed last time. Burn through 20. Sorry, Michelle. Yeah, sorry, Michelle. We will never make a mistake again. We promise not to be human. Especially when, during that conversation, we actually pointed out that we wasn't actually sure if we were right or not. Uh, yeah, burn through 20. That's huge. It's nasty. That's especially that's ridiculous. For a, especially for an army that's not known for burn through. Uh, it has flash uh, and scald. Everything has scald again. Then you have the same Oculus beams as the previous, and the Plasma Clone is there as opposed to Plasma Flood. This is a 2+, plus, 2d6 plus 2. No, so d6 not... plus 2. Oh, sorry, d6 plus 2. My mistake. 
Um, so not the close action is not as good as the previous one. Uh, you're you're going to hit better on average, but you're going to have yeah. way less shots. Yeah, you can't have both. That would be too much. But this right. has a launch of eight. Personally, I built the previous one, but to this day, I'm still not a hundred percent sure which of these two that I like. They are both that good. Um, the reason I built the other one is purely and only because I prefer the look of the model. Um, my theory was that, look, I know what the rules say, but realistically, if I'm playing a casual game and I wanted to take one and it's built wrong, most people won't have a huge problem with it so long as I'm clear about what it is and I'm not trying to be dodgy about it. Um, I mean, in theory, you could magnetize it. I'm not convinced that it's worth it with this model for the reasons that I mentioned on the gluing. Um, I mean, you could magnetize it and pin it, I suppose, but I'm still not convinced that it would be worth it. Um, you could always buy two, obviously. But, yeah. So I built... I need to stop pressing back. I, I, I'm on the fence on this one, too. Um, yeah. well, we struggled with this one last time. I both think there's... I, I yeah. think there's an argument for both. Um, I would argue that if you were taking this, I probably wouldn't bother with launch on anything else, though. I think five and seven launch is enough. Sorry, five and eight launch is enough. Yeah. Um, I mean, the, the furnace triad on this is... That is massive. Oh, yeah. Unless um, you roll like me, in which case it's useless. Oh, yes, that's why I built the other one, because I roll like crap anyway, so there's no point in me oh. having it. There's no <laughs> point in me paying for a burn through that was that good. So uh, the one thing I will say, though, let's see. Uh, so the chances, though, of, of getting at least a critical on 12 dice and then rolling out the burn through on that is mm. pretty good, though. Yeah, that is true. So... Um, I don't know, of the of the dreadnoughts. I th I think the scourge are the toughest call. Of which one do you take? I yeah. I, I almost want to lean towards the uh, uh the Nosferatu just because you don't have one giant gun that you're you're sinking the points into. Yeah. Uh, to me, I think that's although I got a twenty burn through. Yeah, that's <laughs> the benefit of the other one for me is that there's it's not just one gun. I mean, obviously you're gonna want to be going full hog with this there's no point not shooting with everything especially once you're up close um because if you're that close trust me they are going to be attacking you anyway it's not going to make any difference um nobody is going to look at this ship and go oh no it's fine i'll leave it over there that yeah unless unless you have something else if you have something this big that's going to do that much damage because these things have the potential to take out a fleet a turn not a fleet sorry a group a turn a quite easily like quite easily um you can play the game of i'm going to ignore it and not waste my shots but that's just as risky as trying to take it out but most things that are big like this because it's got 26 hull it's going to be really hard to take it out so you ignore it because how much damage can it do because i'm just going to be wasting my shots anyway but in something like these most of these that have this many guns if that's a if that's the decision you make you're losing battle groups a turn yeah. uh you can't just ignore this um you you could maybe go half and half i'm not sure it'd be worth going half and half though i would either try to kill it or ignore it i would not do half and half that would be a waste of gunpowder um personally if this was on the table i'd be i'd be aiming for it um because i don't think i could risk it being left alive um obviously you would need to be able to concentrate on still getting your stuff down and getting your points though don't allow the battle to distract you from what the actual mission is uh up next we have george's favorite no phr sorry are you going to go PHR, Sucks? So I'll go over again. Yep. So you got the Romulus uh, for 500 points. That's 16-inch scan, 14-inch signature, 
six inch thrust with uh, 30 hole points, armor of two plus, 18 point defense with a grouping of one again, just like all the others. Uh, the only special rule on it has, is just Dreadnought uh, yep. with a super heavy tonnage. Um, the nasty thing about this is it has overcharge on all of its weapons except for close action, which means it can double the damage uh, for every single weapon on it. Uh, especially that hypernova laser, which is a block three, attack five, one damage, burn through of 14. So it's a front narrow burn through. But doubling that thing, uh, if you overcharge it, like I said, you can double the damage on it. Uh, and that's the only weapon that can fire uh, unless, and you have to be on a weapons free order in order to overcharge. Yeah. So uh, I've played this once and dealt 28 damage and took, nice. out, took out a London in one turn. Yep. Um, Good lord. So that's just the that's just the hypernova laser, and then you got your glaives, uh, your energy glaives, which for this one you have three batteries per side, uh, one on on the right and left. So just like your standard PHR, where you got your broadsides, each battery has a lock of three, attack six, and one damage each. And the ones on each side, so all the right batteries are linked, and then all the batteries on the left are linked. And then your Hornet drones for your close action is three lock, uh, D3 plus three, and again, close action for those. Uh, so very, very nasty, uh, especially with that hyper uh, overcharge burn through. Yeah. And then on your Remus Dreadnought, uh, instead of having uh, the burn through laser uh, and only having, it only has two energy glaive batteries per, per side. Uh, and as you'll see here in a minute, uh, in, instead of the burn through laser, you got Apocalypse cannons, uh, which are bombardments, and those are all linked together. Uh, you got four barrels of those with two lock, two damage, or two attack, one damage piece uh, with a front arc. And then you got uh, four torpedoes. So one battery on each of your broadsides is being replaced by four torpedoes, two on each side. So you have a launch of four, uh, limited four on those. And then you've got a Hornet drone, Hive, close action weapon, which is D3 or uh, D3 plus eight and uh, three plus lock on that. So if you want to bombard the heck out of every cluster, take this one pretty much. This, this ship makes me want to do a PHR army where my sole focus is bombardment. And you've beaten me to my question. I was actually wondering. What I was going to ask was, has your opinion changed on this? Clearly it hasn't. Mine? Yeah. Yeah, no, I I, I, I still want this and, like, bombardment. I just, I want to blow up Every sector on the board. Oh, yeah. yeah, just, oh, I've captured this. Okay, cool. Well, it's a smoldering crater. Especially when Who you can overcharge it, too. So you could potentially oh, yeah. do 16 points of damage, and you've got four different types, four different barrels. If you got a, if you're in a cluster of four, target two with two of them, maybe three, you'd probably be able to wipe. wipe and them all and out. you're hitting on twos. Yeah, exactly. Twos, god. From 14 inches away, actually 20 not, inches away. No, 16 inches away. Not forgetting the fact that you've 22. also got four torpedoes to go with that as well. Yeah. God. Yeah, I, this is a nasty ship too. Uh, it's a tough choice for me being played PHR because I love that burn through hyper laser. Uh, yeah. But at the same time, it, just being able to blow every sector on the board away. It depends on what your strategy is going to be. For me, Absolutely. I would probably take the other one because I'm not a huge bombardment person. But that it depends on the mission that you've got. If you've got a bombardment mission, you can't not take this. It's a must-take yeah. at that point. And this one's 460 points. I forgot to mention that, too. So this one's 40 points cheaper than your Romulus. So it's Oh, I forgot about that. That's a good point, actually. So it's another point is what, what can you squeeze into your list, too, based yeah. on what you're I'm wanting. 
if you were lucky enough to have a decent sized sector near you that you could protect with everything else and then they send this out after all of the other sectors so that you're then the only person that's gaining any points it's risky but if it works that's nasty yeah right it's very risky and then finally we get to have some shenanigans again shultnanigans yep uh, first up, we have the Plutonium, which, well, that's more expensive than any Dreadnought so far at 520 points. Yep. Um, 16 scans, so it's gonna see you from across the board. Signature 10 without shields. That's tiny for a ship this size. Until yes. you turn the shields on, and, and, and then it's just like, it's like Vegas in the desert. You can see it from miles away. Yeah. 8-inch um, thrust, I think that's, uh, quickest or tied for quickest? Uh, tied. It's the same as that. Us. Okay. Us being Scourge? Yes. PHR and UCM okay. have a six inch thrust on both of theirs, on all of theirs. Okay. And then Hull of 26. Mm-hmm. Which, that's, that's there with the UCM and the, mm. and the whatnot. Um, armor, four up, four up. So fours or, fours on criticals if the shields are up. That's got to be annoying. Uh, 20 point defense. Take that, Washington, your 15 launch. <laughs> Uh, grouping is uh, uh, one, obviously. Tunge is a uh, super two. Uh, special dreadnought and launch. Um, let's get into the uh, uh, the cannons here. Uh, distortion cannons. Um, lock a three up, four attacks. Uh, damage is a negative because I can't remember what the distortion um, special is, but it's it's distortion. I will tell you in a few minutes while you I'm keep on talking. Yeah. Up next, uh, it's not a particle lance triad. It's a twin particle lance turret. So uh, it only hits on threes, not twos. They, they toned that down a little bit. Uh, two attacks for two damage front and uh, side. So can go either side. Oh, yeah, it's a turret, right. Um, particle fusillade two. Uh, particle, it ignores your, your armor. Just goes right through it. It's great. Uh, then my favorite weapons. I love these because you get all the dice. Uh, disintegrator batteries. Uh, three up, four dice, uh, one damage, uh, front side, right. Two, so that's eight on the right, eight on the left. Each side is linked. Um and then the Harpoon Deluge, Deluge, four up, 12 attacks, one damage, front side, rear, close action. Again, 16-inch uh, scan range. I don't know why they're still bothering to call it close action. Just be like, you know, scan range weapon, not, you know. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I found your distortion for you, George. Yes, distortion. Please enlighten me with the distortion. So I know it goes. The damage value of the distortion weapon is system is equal to the number of hits the weapon system inflicts during attack. Before rolling any saving throws, for example, a distortion weapon with four attack dice hits three times, thus giving each hit a damage value of three. So up to nine whole damage would be inflicted if all saves were failed. So you could, in a sense, get up to 16 damage if all four of your dice hit. Uh, weapon three, this thing's probably pretty nasty, though. Yeah. Um, uh, and then it has a launch of four for, for gates, which... With some of the was it the lighter the 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 ship that can travel through a gate network? Yeah, yeah. the lighter. Well, you could use this as part. Well, no, no, I guess not. No, I'm I'm mistaken. Never mind. Never mind. I, I'm going off a thought that is incorrect. I am wrong. Um, 
but yeah, uh, I like it. I mean, f- first of all, I, I remember way back in the, the Huddle Z days when we're reading the 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 weapon, you know, ability distortion. We're like, nothing has distortion. I'm like, well, there'll be a Shaltari ship with distortion because if anyone's going to figure out how to make a bubble of distortion happen, it's going to be the hedgehogs with shields. Yeah. Uh, what about the uranium? The uranium. Um, this is the one I did not build. I built the uh, the other one. So the uranium, all the stats are the same uh, as far as the scan sig, thrust, blah, blah, blah. Uh, we go here to uh, the, the weapons, uh, the pulse ionizer battery, lock of asterisks. Uh, we'll it's got the Mueller, spe- yeah, Mueller special of 12. Uh, six attacks at one damage. Uh, it's a front arc. So um, once we find out what Mauler, Mauler does... Uh, again, we still have the the linked left and right disintegrator batteries. Uh, three three up, four four attacks each battery, so eight, eight each side. Uh, your left and right. Then there's a disintegrator battery. Oh wait, no. Oh god, I can't read too many lines. Uh, still uh, the harpoon deluge four plus twelve attacks one damage front side rear close action. Again has a gate gate value of. Yeah. Now, I could be wrong. Still look this up, Captain Socks, because if I'm wrong, I want you to tell me. I think Mola's the one where the lock is equal to the ship's armor. Correct. I think. You're correct. So Mauler's working the same way as a burn through weapons, except the lock number is always equal to the armor of the targeted ship. So if you get an armor two, for example, on the on the, if you're shooting the Remus, the Romulus, with an armor of two, two up. The, the lock value on this is, is two. Two. What, what's the uh, what's the number on that then the with the twelve? Uh, that's your burn through. Oh, okay. I obviously have not played in a while. So against PHR, a, a two up lock, uh, six attacks, one damage with a burn through of twelve. That's that's decent, I guess. Um, personally, um, I don't think these dreadnoughts, uh, and, and this is just just me talking as you know the way the other shell target, they don't have enough disintegrator uh, batteries based off the other ships. I, I think they should have one more each side. Um, that would get really gross though. So I, I could see where they only have the two each side. Cause I mean, if you look at the, which is the Onyx, the heavy battle, battle cruiser, um, that's got three banks by itself. Yeah. So um, uh, I th- go back here. Look at this again real quick. I know it's more points, but I think I think the uh, plutonium is the better choice, no, and it, not just because it has the uh, distortion cannon, but because it has the distortion cannon with the the lance turret. Because if you go to the uh, uranium, you don't you have oh oh you have a microwave array turn on there too. I forgot I completely forgot to read that. Um, this is probably one of the my favorite um, weapons, the microwave array three plus D three plus two, uh, one damage. The arc is front and side close action beam. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember, <laughs> uh, when I was doing my grow league, I remember people would just look at my group of, uh, microwave, uh, frigates and they'd just be like, why you, you suck, George, you really suck. Um, he does. Yes. What, what was beam again? Beam just like, it just hit, right? From memory, yeah. From memory, it's yeah. It just hits. Should just left the page open. Thanks, thank you, socks. You're welcome. Thank you, thank you, Lieutenant Footwear. You're welcome. Uh, That's Bloom. Where's Beam? Beam would be before Bloom. Well, it's not. It's not there either. What? There it is. Close action. I got it. 
some close action weapon seem systems rely entirely on protected radiation of one form or another, and so are entirely unaffected by point defenses. So yeah, pretty much just go straight there. Okay, so yeah, it's a so yeah, it's a shield value only um, or armor value only uh, close action, not a point defense close action. So um, I, I'm I'm still gonna say the plutonium is the better choice because the microwave rater. I mean, okay, yeah, it's a 16 inch close action. Sh- um, all the other stuff is is at a further range. So uh, I know it costs more points, but I think between the the distortion, the the particle ants being able to hit from you know twenty or whatever forty inches is, is a better option than you know having to get up close for potentially what D three plus two. So call it on average three shots. And um, now if it was a three D three plus two because it's a dreadnought, yeah. I'd, I'd really have to sit there and ho-hum. Imagine that dreadnought with a group of, of uh, microwave-away frigates flying around and just like, let me let me microwave you. Go um, I think I agree with you. Uh, it, it would definitely be the plutonium for me as well. Um, I, it, it just feels like it would be more reliable to me. Also, generally speaking, you don't usually want to be close when you're playing with Shatari. You're usually yeah. trying to avoid getting close. Yeah, no. Sh- the only thing I ever got close with was my microwave array ships because if I got close enough with... I wasn't close to anything then. Yeah. So that is our game talk for this week. Uh, we'll be back on the drop zone commander thing side of things next time. And then the only ones that we have left is the battleships and the battle cruisers, which I think we can probably cover at once. The reason I said I was leaving those till last is the last time we covered this side of the game, it was generally accepted that most of this stuff got left on the shelf and you took the battle cruisers instead because they were better for the points overall. Yep. Um, With the exception of one ship. Which was the PHR one. No, the Diamond. Oh, the Diamond Battleship, yes, which I hate. Don't like the Diamond. It's a horrible ship that always destroys my things. Uh, it's a horrible ship that destroys everything. Yes, that's why I don't like it, and it's horrible. Lewis, stop selling the Diamond. It's horrible. Don't like it. I'll, I'll have to dig it up to see if I've still got somewhere, but I, I had a, I did a, a guy know he wrote a little program and on statistically the diamond was doing exceptionally more damage than any other battleship mm. in the game period so when we when we cover those next time it's going to be an interesting discussion to see if we still feel that's the case oh here's interesting mm-hmm. they've changed the uh weapon on the uh, i just noticed ah well we'll discuss that next time yeah um, maybe it's not as bad do we want to do hobby very quickly uh, we could do hobby really quickly. I don't really have much. That's all right. I don't have a lot either. Stream blue crying paint. Have you been up to anything, Captain Socks? I'm kind of in pause mode because we're getting ready for movers to start showing up here in the next couple months. So I'm like not really wanting to put stuff together and have to put it all away. So you don't want to you don't want to play with the the thing you just showed us at the beginning before we started. So yes, I did get my rule book for Victory Sea in. Uh, I bought the starter set as well as the fleet boxes for the Japanese and the, and the U.S. fleets. Got those put together. So I've been reading through the rules, uh, liking the rules so far. Uh, it's based off of Mongoose Publishing's version of their Victory Sea uh, Warlord. Bought the the rights to it, and so they've changed the rules a little bit. There's some rules that I like from the old set versus the new set, but I'll still try it out. So, are you comfortable saying whereabouts you're moving to? Yep. So uh, I just 
found out a couple weeks ago they get the, the guys know I'm moving to McDill Air Force Base in uh, Tampa, Florida. So uh, one hour east of, of here in terms of time zones. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm looking forward to beach life because we are literally right on the beach. Yep. We'll be there for at least three years. So uh, be moving around June time frame. So movers will be here in the next couple months or so. So we'll, and, we'll have you done any research into um, whether there's groups in that area or not? I haven't yet. Been meaning to. So if there's any listeners that are in that area, I'll be coming out there here June, July timeframe. Give me about August, and I'll be hitting the if, depending on COVID yeah. too. That's uh, where I was leaning towards. Yeah. So if you do know of gaming groups in your area, uh, and you would like to suck Captain Socks into some games that he hasn't tried, then he will be out that way soon. Start trying to tempt him into things. Enough. <laughs> um, even even better if you like games that he's already discussed, like Star Wars and Victory at Sea and stuff. Definitely reach out. Um, George, you haven't been up to much at all. No, I'm uh, one uh, one in three of my blood bowl. That's about it. <laughs> Sounds like your record's about what mine was. Yeah, I, uh, uh, it depends on the season. Actually, one of my seasons, I actually went very well. Yeah, I lost my first game. I lost my second game. I won third game somehow. I'm not entirely certain. Um, and then I just lost today. Um, I, I I played squigs today or squats. Yeah, squats. I play, I played squats today. Um, I destroyed his army and lost three to. Oops. Yeah, like he, he even as squats, he was literally running out of models. Yeah, and they, uh, he still somehow won. So. Um, or yeah, snotlings. Yes, JP. Yes, snot. That's what it was. Um, I haven't been up to a great deal. I have had a chance to play with my RC car finally. Um, I crashed it a lot of times. Good job. Um, there, there was one particular crash where it was like over and under, over and under, over and under. It definitely would have been a fatal crash if it was a real car. Um, but thankfully it wasn't, so nobody was hurt. Um, one of my shocks had a piece that came off, and I didn't notice until after I got home. So the shock had not been working until last night, where it now works again. I had fun in the driveway earlier. The only other thing I've brought recently is some stuff to strip some moss because I want to strip my Bushido models and repaint the whole lot of them. But otherwise... How's your dots doing, George? I No, no, there's been no painting. I'm I'm trying to figure (laughs) out what what painting is actually going to be happening here because, I mean, I have all of this to paint. Um, I still have... Actually, this entire shelf of miniature board games can be painted. This entire shelf. And then you can't see it, but all that stuff right there, all of that needs to be put together and painted. (laughs) Excuse me. So, So, no, I've not been doing any dots. Fair enough. Uh, upcoming events wise, uh, the Project 500 is going ahead for this month. Um, trying to paint up 500 points of either Drop Fleet or Drop Zone. Just general hobby motivation is the idea behind that one. The UK Games Expo is coming up from the 31st of July until the 1st of August. So that's a two day event for those in the UK. Uh, very jealous. I. Don't know if Eureka Games or Miniatures are going. I assume that Nick wouldn't be going, but his UK equivalent might be. I might actually have to reach out and find out because he normally goes every year. But with current world situation being what it is, I doubt that he'd be able to. Um, but he does have an equivalent in the UK now, so they could cover, I suppose. Uh, Brush Beast competition is still going on. That's the painting competition that started on the 1st of February, continues through till the 31st of May. 
Um, categories include single miniature, large creature or monster, machine of war. <laughs> you have your masters open and you have your five model squad, which is a studio category. Only one entry per person or studio, and it must be your own work, obviously. Pictures must be provided of the miniatures before they're primed and when they're completed, unless it's a master's category, because obviously master's category is something that is usually done over a much longer period of time, uh, unless you're somehow evil and can manage to do that sort of work in weeks, in which case we all hate you. I've um, seen some of those people that can do that kind of stuff and fix it. I'm just... And do you hate them? I don't hate them per se. Hate is a strong word. I know, um, but I don't have that sort of skill, so I hate them. Enviously disgruntled. Enviously <laughs> disgruntled. That's a good word. I like that. Um, very quickly on the painting competition wise, back in January, there was a painting competition for Drop Fleet and Drop Zone. Um, the competition didn't actually end up having enough people complete their pledge to finalize. So the prizes for that are going to carry on to the next painting competition, which is at a date later to be announced. If you want to read more, go to either the Drop Fleet or the Drop Zone Commander community pages. Uh, that It's all been labelled. And it literally, like, there just wasn't enough people that actually... There was a lot of people that pledged and just never finished. So obviously yeah. you can't give out prizes to people that don't exist. Otherwise, thank you to those that continue to support us in any way that they can, uh, especially to those that support us on Patreon. We very much appreciate it. Um, $2 a month is all we're asking for. Um, if you're in a position where you can afford to assist, it would be greatly appreciated. Um, Patreon.com slash getting tabled. Yep. Facebook.com slash getting tabled is our main social network feed. Um, that is definitely the best place to follow us. That's Facebook.com slash getting tabled. Once again, if you search for us on YouTube, we are literally about the first 12 or 13 results at this point. Um, if you want to contact Captain Socks or any of us for that matter, uh, about, um, how he should be playing all of these games that he's never purchased, uh, then you can email Captain Socks at getting tabled at gmail.com. Um, de definitely concentrate on the things that you think that he's trying to avoid. Um, if you do play Star Wars or Drop Fleet or Victory at Sea, then obviously those as well. Um, but if you if you can tempt him into buying more stuff that he doesn't need, do it. Um, everything else is at Getting Tabled. Uh, we've got a website, which is gettingtabled.weebly.com. I'm just going to record this one day and just play it so that I don't have to keep on saying it over and over again. I get tired yeah, of it. We, 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 we could definitely turn that into a bumper. <laughs> Thank you very much. And there it is. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Tabled, music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org.